clubhouse. Lord God, give us rain and a little luck and we'll do the rest. Amen. Welcome back to the Yellowstone Podcast. This is Sheila. This is Steph. And we are back with episode five. This one is Cowboys and Dreamers. How are you doing, Steph? Feels like, what is today? Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah, it's been a long week already. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have our halfway point of the season already. We are five episodes deep and there's only five on the back end. As promised, this was going to have the reveal of why Beth hates Jamie so much, and we got that. So you guys got it first out of the gate, but we're going to save it to the end of the podcast. We'll build up to it. So we're going to start off with Jamie getting sworn in as AG, finally. I mean, that's what he wanted ultimately, right? Or he at least was going to do it for his dad. Well, last season, but Mm -hmm. you know. The look on his face, he is just so tickled to be in this position. Like he's holding up his right hand, but he's got this look. I'm going to call it smug. Yes. Do you agree with that? I do agree. Yeah. It's like he has been the fuck up to this point. (laughs) He literally gets handed everything that he's wanted. Right. He is the needed Dutton right now because of the plans that have been laid out to us now, right? Because he's going to be the one to stop with the law, the eminent domain that's, Mm -hmm. you know, coming their way. You know, I I think he's relishing the fact that, like, daddy needs me now. But on the other hand, I thought it did kind of suck a little bit how his daddy was there correcting him and still in control of that. Who wants your mom and dad sitting next to you like, oh, oh, no, stand up properly put your shoulder don't sit like that and let me just say it seemed like john was correcting him and even in that moment that doesn't really need correcting i mean what did you think when john made him say that last part again and repeat himself i wasn't sure what he meant because it was like did he miss a word like did he miss something in the oath and it was no he wanted to point out that so help you god yeah like, like reminding you, don't you get this right. the stakes are higher because God's mm-hmm. watching you. It's like, you know, like the two fingers, like I'm watching you, like Robert De Niro and Meet the Fockers. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm watching you. Yeah. It was a good way for John to like knock him down a peg, reminding him who's pushing the buttons, like who's pulling the marionette strings mm-hmm. behind the scenes. But that's what still gives me like a little sense of feeling sorry for Jamie. Like, I just feel like this guy does mess up a lot. But at the same time, like he could never do anything right, even if he did it right. Yeah. It sucked in that moment that his dad was there like correcting him (laughs) when uh, you're just being sworn in as I mean, there's nobody else in the office. So what is, you know, what does his dad need to be there like telling him how to do it? I think that that was important to see that John was still there sort of controlling, like you said, the marionette strings making sure that Jamie knows his place. Right, like who he's doing this for. Yeah. John just walks out. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like, just, okay. Yep, we're done. I like how you said he's all yours now. He's like, I'm done with that. <laughs> like, wash my hands of this Wash my hands of you, exactly. <laughs> That's your mess now. Then Jamie's using his office right quick. I like how Jamie is more aggressive this season. I like how he's trying to take the ownership of the, these roles, like with the livestock commissioner and now as the attorney general like he is taking charge he's the one making the phone calls setting the precedent like setting the stage for how it's going to go down and i like that i like that he's being more hands-on more aggressive i think that that's what he needs to do in order to do this right he can no longer just let everybody sway him he calls the county attorney county district attorney randy who was involved with the uh horse trailer murders (laughs) yeah (laughs) that that fiasco takes it upon himself to call him and say this is attorney general 
Jamie Dutton yeah. and yeah. you know very commanding of, of the situation and and asking if there are any basically like loose ends that need to be tied up and and Randy was that a sigh of relief across his face what do you think it's like that oh I'm not surprised, kind of like, oh, here we go, kind of thing. Like, whatever. No, I don't have a problem. We're good. He wasn't ruffled by it. Let's put it that way. He was amused. <laughs> Did they sidestep a landmine? Is this gonna? Is this sleeping dog gonna lie? I'm. I'm not sure. I think it will, just because there's more things going on in the season that I don't think the writers would really revisit that. You think this was a neat way for them to just wrap up that explosion that happened early on and it was just like, oh, how is he going to survive this one? I mean, I I think you could be right in that there's always a chance for anything that happens with the Duttons to come back around. (laughs) I mean, they have a lot of not necessarily above board things going on it could but i don't think it would i think that it's just like a good way for do we have any more issues nope okay so we're good right i think so the governor has sort of and john i guess have teamed up to put these duttons where they want them to be so we have casey now as the livestock commissioner said he's going to do things his way i think casey is just a genuine kind-hearted person i think he has done a lot of things he doesn't want to do but i think he generally has good intentions what do you think about this first problem that casey has to face why do these guys always have a problem on day one and it's always like somebody's dead (laughs) right like it's just not like, oh, here's your, here's how the printer works. Here's the coffee pot. It's like, right. No. You know, here's where we go get lot. No. No. Horse trailer. Mm-hmm. Two, two guys are dead in the horse trailer and uh, your agent did it. No. No. So Casey's got to deal with the suicide of Boyd Nelson, who turns out to be Sheriff Donnie Haskell's cousin. Cousin. Everybody's yeah. somebody's cousin. I mean, yeah. I'm Irish. So I mean, like I've got hundreds of cousins. So, right. you know. So, I mean, it could happen. It could happen. <laughs> Big problem out of the gate. But Casey has just, and you were touching on it he's got such like a quiet reserve about him i never really got the whole thinker aspect of him like he's definitely a very rough and tumble kind of a guy Mm -hmm. but he's become so contemplative this season and part of last season i just like how he handled this one but there's a big but but daddy had to factor into this one too yeah the governor said last episode that you can't run from your fate forever And Casey said he thought, you know, it's caught up to him faster than he thought it would. So I think that Casey was there for, you know, however long in his youth running away from all this. Like he didn't want any part of it. And I think now he's, like you said, he's just come into it and is contemplating. Like now he's in it. He's part of this and he has to figure out how to make that work for him and Monica and Tate. I think he is like more on board with being in the Dutton way of life. You had a term before and you said like a lot of the things that the Duttons do are not above board. So his first assignment out of the gate is obviously the suicide. The poor rancher is getting foreclosed on He takes his own life in a field as a result, and he's holding the notice. His first thought is to, well, let's sell the horses that this guy has been breeding to get some money for the kids and his widow. Mm-hmm. He knows that that's not above board. He kind of gets the blessing of Donnie, but he I guess he wants to maybe run it past John to be like, yes, I'm running the office the way I thought, but uh, am I on the, the right path? Yeah. A little bit different context to Jamie. I mean, John inserted himself in Jamie's situation to be like, and so help you God. Yeah. Whereas John says to Casey, my decision is no decision. It's your decision. Yeah, he trusts him. And he knows that Casey didn't arrive there through a reckless pattern. You're right. Yeah. The way that John treats his kids is is how they present themselves to him. And Casey's definitely been a rock or John's. He's allowed to pursue his line of thinking and, you know, what he wants to do. It's the one moment in the show where they're all smiling and laughing. Oh, yes. I loved that scene. I loved that scene. What's your plan? Fuck it. <laughs> I know. 
so funny. There was like six fuckets in that. <laughs> I know. I just kept saying it. That looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, it and did. And it ha- happened like a lot fast. I mean, I'm sure they had a long way to go, but it just was like pretty cool how they just were stampeding the horses and then they're down at the ranch. So. And corralling them and, and it all yeah. went to plan and nobody died. It was Rip, it was Casey and John. So John, Casey had asked John to come and help because he physically needed his help, didn't like metaphorically needed his help. Mm-hmm. He, so John helps them corral the horses and this is the fucking plan. We're just going to go round them up and get them in. And they're all laughing and they're having a good time. And I feel like this is the only time that John and Rip smile ever. Well, Rip now more so when like yeah. he's around Beth. I'm saying he does smile at Beth now, but yeah, John never smiles. And he was laughing. He goes, I have half a mind to go up and do that again. He smiled at Tate a few times. I think like yeah. you said, we're seeing a softer side of him when he's with Tate. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he doesn't crack up and laugh or anything. It did look like they were just enjoying this is why they're cowboys, like just for the fun of it, you know, that part of it. Tate features into this episode and they're breaking down the camp, the summer camp. Aww, so I anyway. thought it was just going to be John who was kind of setting up stock yeah, back at the I ranch. Yeah, that's what I assumed too. I didn't get that it was closing down the summer camp because the cattle still need to be watched because of the clover and that whole thing yeah, didn't go right. away. So I'm not sure how we got from my summer's over at the end of the last episode to everyone's peddling back to to the Dutton ranch but Monica does ask that they keep a tent up because she wants to bring Tate back because this has been therapy for him this is his rehab from the ordeal that he suffered at the end of season two but we got a couple of cute moments between Monica and Lloyd I really like that we're seeing more of Lloyd he is so good I like him in these episodes and he I like that he had brings like this wisdom and he brings like he's sort of become that father figure for Jimmy he has a lot of the institutional knowledge of the ranch mm-hmm. he's definitely somebody to turn to for guidance and things like that Monica was talking to him about you know kind of watching the pirate mouth around Tate because <laughs> Tate announces that going back to the, the city sucks ass <laughs> <laughs> And Tate's about, what, 10? Yeah. Not what you want to have come out of your 10-year-old's mouth. I got to ask this. Steph, knock, knock. Who's there? Europe. Europe who? No, Europe who. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> so that's the joke that Tate and Teeter. I liked Teeter in that in that moment, too. She's like, hmm, okay. Yeah. Europe who? And like, she was like, she, And play. she just, you know, fist bumps him, high fives and blows <laughs> it up, you know? It was cool. And then Lloyd it's leans cute. over to Monica and's like, but at least he's laughing. I know. But I think that was a really poignant moment between the two of them. Lloyd affirms to Monica that Tate is an oak, not a willow. He's made from strong stuff. That for Monica was something that she needed to hear. I agree. I like any scene with Tate. He's just so cute. And Monica, you know, we talked about her early on that, you know, we need to listen to her. She is yeah. definitely the conscience of the family more so right. than any of the others. So that whenever I do see her... I want to hear from her. I want to hear what she has to say. Like, you know, the last episode she told Casey, don't stop loving me to kill the wolf. That's yeah. that's a powerful message. Yeah, we need more of Monica. But Monica. I always want more of Monica and Casey. <laughs> so. And Tate. Yeah. And, and Lloyd. I mean, we're getting everything we want this episode. <laughs> maybe the summer camp is being broken down because spoken or unspoken, maybe they need all hands on deck closer because... Again, we're halfway through the season, so things are going to heat up. Like everybody needs to be paying attention and within reach, focused. within like focus, yeah. uh, within like fists range, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
if we're, if we're going to go arm with Dutton. Swinging an arm swing, yeah, you know, someone's yeah. going someone's gonna to whack a cattle prod or something. Yeah, to be close. <laughs> right. They just carry those around their back pocket just so they can whack people with them. So we did get a little bit of action between yeah. uh, Rip and this unknown person who introduces himself as Wade Morrow. No one knows him, but he knows John and he mocks Ryan with his livestock <laughs> livestock agent. So they're they're bringing buffalo, honest to God, like bison. Yeah. They're asking about this brucellosis. Did you catch that? Yeah. I had um, to look it up. It is a bacteria that can pass from animal to human. I assumed it was just some sort of virus that would pass from the buffalo to the cows. I didn't assume it would go to the humans. <laughs> so, yeah. So they were so afraid of it passing to the cattle because then, obviously, when they go to sell the cattle for okay. beef, they did not want to have a situation where people would now get sick from brucellosis. <laughs> like that, I feel like that is a very <laughs> Wyoming, Montana <laughs> yeah, affliction. <laughs> don't tell me about it, please. I don't want to know. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. Just, okay, okay. It passes from animal to human and you don't want it. Okay, good. That's all I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll move on. So then with the summer camp being broken down, Rainwater visits John. I feel like that's a nice segue from the summer camp too. Yeah, John's home. He's back at work, I guess. Yeah, back so much for back retirement. Back range. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they do mention it. Rainwater kind of chides him a little for being a hard man to reach. And there was just this funny moment with the cell phone. You're like, yeah. Must be nice not to have to have your cell phone on all the time. So like we discussed before, John and Rainwater are going to have to team up for this one. I did notice that that's what Rainwater said. He's like, this is our problem now. At least for now, they both have made it clear that they're not on the same team, but they are for this for sure. Yeah, they're picking and choosing when to right? be allies. I find that there's a big mark of respect between the two of them. They do have a mutual respect, but they also know that they have to protect what's theirs. There's a this degree of respect between them that I can appreciate. Yeah. They decide that it's time to discuss the new problem. Rainwater understands the problem, even though we haven't seen him and we don't know like where he's sort of fallen and where if he's getting all the information. What does he know? How much does he know? But we know that he knows basically the whole plan because he talks about the eminent domain for the airport across mm -hmm. the Dutton Ranch and, and John's very cavalier. And he doesn't explain why he's not concerned about the attorney general's office. He doesn't tell Rainwater. It's not common knowledge because Jamie had to phone a friend to say, hey, I'm now the AG. Yeah, that's true. So it doesn't seem like it's out there that Jamie is the attorney general. I don't know if there wasn't a press release. At least not yet. Exactly. So Rainwater doesn't know about the attorney general being a Dutton. He doesn't know why John isn't concerned about the governor either. Maybe because she's bunking in his tent. I don't know. I think he has a point too, though. I, I mean, we've discussed that. I'm not 100% sure the governor isn't going to go for the airport. I don't know if she's just trying to play John and team up with him so that he can't really fight her too hard. Or is she really not 100% on board with it? with the airport and trying to protect the landscape of Montana. I didn't really think her intentions were that pure at first, but now I'm a little bit more unsure of what side she's on. But Rainwater has a point. Like, she has to consider the money. Like, she's the governor. She has to care about the revenue of the state. Yeah, he says something like 4,000 sustainable jobs. I mean, she has to consider that. That's her job. So I think Rainwater's not wrong in bringing that up, that, like, she can't just side with you. She'll lose the position, you know? So I don't know what's going to happen with her. I don't really know what side she's going to land on because I'm not convinced it's with the Duttons. Are you? Let's see. I hadn't had like a full opinion about it because it's still a little too wishy-washy Yeah. because the okay. way that she met with market equities prior sounded like this was a done deal nearly. 
But when she wanted Jamie for the attorney general, I'm like, but why would you bring in the attorney general as a Dutton if you wanted to take away their land? I'm not convinced that she's on John's side. The way that she framed the problem to him at the rodeo, saying, I'll tell you the solution now, I'll tell you the problem tomorrow. It almost feels like, all right, just tell me what you did or you won't get in trouble for it. There's going to be another shoe that has to drop because, again, like she can't just let development slide because it's going to come out somehow that she let all of this opportunity for Montana and job sustainability fall by the wayside. And politically, that just doesn't fly. Right. And like she said, if she doesn't do it, somebody else will. But she said that she wants Jamie to solidify this into law. And that's why she wants him as the AG. It's a little nebulous. It's a little, like I said, wishy-washy. Yeah, I just don't know where she really stands on it or where she's going to make a decision right at the end of the day we didn't see angela blue thunder but i like how rainwater is like oh i have someone who's really good at being merciless i liked how they both have yeah they both have their ace up their sleeve the the genie doesn't go back in the bottle once you let them out (laughs) we talked about this last episode we're like imagine if beth and angela meet up right it's gonna happen it's gonna happen next episode i'm telling you So the plan is to tie up the corporation so that they don't get a return on their investment and hopefully eventually they just lose interest Yeah, because they just want returns. I thought it was interesting that Rainwater brought up the thing that we were poking fun at last episode where he was talking about like he wants to go back to the way of life before a white man ever set foot in the valley. Mm -hmm. We were poking fun at the notion of like, is he really going to go back to that lifestyle? Is he going to live with the land or is he going to sit there in his, you know, $2,000 suit with his elaborate jewelry and his casino trappings around him? And he called himself out on it saying that it's an ironic revenue stream for an Indian nation. (laughs) And it was Gil Birmingham's Uh, birthday yesterday. Facebook told me that. (laughs) The things you can find on Facebook. (laughs) Yes. I don't know that their plan is that solid yet, but I'm pretty sure Angela seems like a troublemaker and we know Beth is. So those two teamed up could cause some damage for sure. I hope they do. I hope that they don't cancel each other out because they see each other as competition. I need to know how, like, how do they know Angela? Yeah. Like, that's not his daughter, is it? No, I don't think so. Because Mo was so scared of her. I was just like, there has to be like he she's like an ex-sister-in-law or something. Yeah. She put somebody through the ringer and they had to watch. (laughs) I'm hoping that the two of them together don't do the woman thing and compete against each other, that they can join forces to deliver the level of mischief, mayhem and tornado alley that Beth alludes to. They teamed up right then yeah then we have a season four (laughs) right i hope that the first meeting between beth and angela is like super tense and dramatic and i don't know i hope that they like make a problem from the get-go like they can't just be like painting each other's nails and braiding each other's hair (laughs) no definitely not there needs to be like some hard whiskey and yes who can outdo each other with like the dirt that they can uncover I agree. It's going to be fun to watch. It is going to be fun to watch. But I believe that Angela Blue Thunder comes back in the next episode because episode next up six. is six. Yeah. She's in the sixth episode. So she's definitely okay. going to make her reappearance. And she's I, she's in most of the episodes going forward to the end of the season. That's good. So we will see her and Yay. we'll see how much Sage gets burned <laughs> <laughs> in her presence. Which leads us now to Beth and Rourke. She likes poking the bear. I think a little too much. No, I liked him getting so pissed off. That was pretty funny. (laughs) The two points of this episode that made me laugh out loud was when they were corralling the horses and Rourke's reaction to the stock. So he he tries to like buy the stock to make it rally. 
thinks the trade is done. It's it's good. He's walking out. He's getting all his fishing gear on. And he gets a call. The stock dropped another point, despite his best efforts. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just trying to go fishing. <laughs> And he's throwing all his stuff and like, I mean, I'm pretty sure his phone is broken because he like whacked that thing on the ground. Yeah. He made me laugh in that in that part. I mean, I know that it was he was getting mad. Even the last episode, we still thought no matter how annoyed he was that he still liked Beth. Mm -hmm. But he was calling her all kinds of names in that moment. (laughs) He spies her going into a bar at five o'clock and he follows her in. I mean, he still didn't seem that mad at her. I think in her presence, he kind of softened a little bit because mm-hmm. when he bought the stock, he was like redheaded something under his yeah. breath, short my stock. There was no hint of a smile on his face at that moment. But when he saw her, he couldn't could kind of help himself. It was cute. The flirtiness came back after like <laughs> yeah. the business was done, right? <laughs> right. I liked that still we see Beth like agreeing with him. Like she sees his side of it. She doesn't disagree that that's what she would do if it was her company but like she told him she just straight up told him like I that's not what he was gonna do and I'm gonna do what he wants me to do he's warning her too like you've got to be prepared for this and she's like I can take whatever you can dish out I love that scene I like that (laughs) they're both calling each other out on their shit and just being like what are you doing I agree the thing that got me with that scene was he put a price tag on this fight Yes, I heard the number. my eyebrows went north and my jaw went south. Agreed. When he said five to six hundred million, you're talking a hundred million dollars in between five hundred to six hundred million. Secure this for your family. This is generational wealth. Land is no longer a legacy. Wealth is the legacy. Like he alluded to it a couple of episodes ago saying, draw up a fair deal for your family. Well, now we learned what the fair deal actually means. Right, That's a lot of money. (laughs) You know, we've seen through the two seasons, two and a half seasons now that the Duttons can be cash strapped. Their money is not liquid. It is tied up in assets and commodities, right? Like the asset is the land and the commodity or the cattle to have 500 to 600 million. And really it's going to take. I mean, honestly. True, yeah. You know, eventually, like the generational wealth, well, the generation is kind of them and now Tate. To hear that number being thrown out, now I know what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a half a billion dollars. Right? Does John just not know that number? You can't not blink at that and not think about it. You know what I mean? Like, does he not know that that's what he could get? That I don't know. But I mean, the fact that Beth said, well, this is not what he wants. The fact that she agrees with Rourke, but John says, no, it's keep the land. She doesn't have that kind of sway with her father. I mean, of the Dutton children, she is the pit bull, right? Right. She's the, the one with the head for business, represents John in all of his dealings that he needs to, with the exception of Jamie, when he needs him for this, that, or the other. It's really Beth that he relies on. So the fact that she's not sticking up for the $500 million, I mean, when we had last season, when, you know, Malcolm Beck visits Beth in the office and says, I'm sure that pretty little head of yours has done the math to know what the Dutton Power Company with its tributary could do for a sporting club nearby. So she knows that there is money to be had around them, but she's also not willing to push John. Like she's willing to poke a bear. She's just not willing to poke the bear. Why not? I feel like she's the only one who could. But for some reason, she's she's holding that back or she's holding that card. I don't know. Do you want to see that conversation between Beth and John? Like, would he just be so pissed that she even brought it up? 
I don't know. I don't know if it's her or him because like we've seen now that the only time John's truly happy is when he's doing something ranch operational, not ranch business. So when he's actually out there at the camp, when he's actually out there with the cattle and the horses corralling and things like that. I don't know if she wants to have that conversation with him. For $600 million? Come on. (laughs) Whether or not she knew that that was the number, I do feel that now that it's been said, it's almost like now that's the 800-pound gorilla in the room that someone has to talk about. Exactly. And he threw it out of the ballpark. I'm sure they could highball the offer and be like, here, and take the cattle. (laughs) We'll throw in an extra, like, 100 million for the cattle. I think I need to see that conversation just because, like, you're going to walk away from $600 million. Like, you're closer to a billion with the $600 million than you are to $100 million. Like you said, they're strapped for cash. Like Jamie's saying, the ranch does not make a profit. Why would you not consider that? Just so you can watch the sunset? Right. I mean, I'm not being, like, cynical. I'm just saying... He's a businessman too. He that has to at least make him pause. I want to know, like, does that make him pause, or he's just like, nope, not interested. At some point in the near future, Beth is going to be like, we could get six hundred million dollars for this. I just yeah. feel like it's going to come out in some way, shape, or form. I it, hope so. It has because I feel like I would have to. <laughs> like, I can't just sit here and do what you want me to do. Like, at least let me tell you the number. Do that thing where they that they do in movies where you write it on a sheet of paper and just slide it across the desk. Like, at least do that. Slide across the bar on the bar napkin you know yeah like at least slide the number and see what happens i think john needs to see the number i don't think he'll take it though i don't think so i think he's too tied to this way of life that i don't know if he can see beyond it like it's all he knows so i'm not sure if he's going to be in a comfortable position to say like sure we can sell that because that'll set up my entire family for Forever. Like, it's going to be hard to piss away $600 million. (laughs) Piss away. (laughs) John, I'll take it. I do think, too, that there is that level of principle to this fight, too. That Rainwater and John, these people are standing up for their way of life and the country and the landscape and the nature somebody has to defend that too you know like we said last time it just can't all be a concrete jungle i get sort of the principle of the fight but isn't that why we have yellowstone national park (laughs) the doorstep of the dutton ranch is the yellowstone national park it could be part of it could be extended into the national park i get it too i do get like defending your way of life your belief system your standards your more like i get that too it can't all be progress for progress's sake. I know I've talked about it here before, but my husband and I, we, we'd gone to Yellowstone and a couple of years before that, we had gone to the Grand Canyon National Park because we flew into Las Vegas. So we went to Zion National Park and then we went to the Grand Canyon, but we realized that there was two sides to the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. There's the North Rim and the South Rim. We decided to go to the North Rim because it would have been a 12 hour drive to the South Rim. So the South Rim is where Flagstaff is. And that's where like everybody who goes to the Grand Canyon for the most part will visit. So we're on the road less traveled side of the Grand Canyon. We were on a hike one day and the one of the park rangers was there and we were asking a question. He just pointed over to us and he says, today's a nice clear day. It was summertime. He says, look over, you know, there. And he points in a direction and I'm like, what are we looking at? He goes, tell me what you see. I see like smog. He says, that's the South Rim. He goes, that's the pollution from the South Rim because of all the cars that go through there, the industrial side of it where you have restaurants and you have gas stations and you have hotels and all that infrastructure supporting the tourism over there. But because so much of it's concentrated over there, you can also see the pollution. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ew, that's horrible. In that aspect, I'm not a fan of progress because it's like when you can see what we're doing to this beautiful landscape, 
I do understand the need to preserve, but when you wiggle $600 million, yeah. 600 million Benjamins in front of you. <laughs> right? That would be a lot. incredibly hard to pass up. Yeah. Rourke warns her that this is basically you're holding up inside the Alamo because we're going to make you go broke in litigation yeah. and then you're eventually going to lose your land anyway. I didn't realize that when he said that they could buy the um, Swartz and Meyer 15 times over. Like, okay, so this is an even bigger bear. Like, that's a lot. Right. Why fight this when they're just going to wear you down? But the entire time she's talking to him, she looks like a cat that's playing with its food. Mm-hmm. She's like looking at him. And she's she's like so good at that. Side-eyeing him. And he, he tells her that, you know, you're going to come out the wrong way on this. And she's, she mocks him saying that, does he want to hurt her? Because anyone who's tried to hurt her in the past, they're not alive to tell the tale. Yeah. <laughs> and this kind of starts their flirting back, which I was happy because it's just like, they can't be all just mean to each other. He's telling her, don't short my stock during trading hours. And she's staring <laughs> at his crotch and she's going, I'm not going to short your stock. <laughs> oh, so that was good. That was good between them. So I was happy. Yeah, that- he's like, at least let me go fishing. She's like, oh, okay, I'll at least do that. Oh, that whole scene about the fish don't process pain she's just like making fun of him just <laughs> that's what I, that's what i'd like jotted down i was like i thought that she looked like a cat playing with her food like the cat mm-hmm. caught the mouse and now the, she's pouncing on him i like these two in these in the scenes together they're fun to watch she's really good at that like when she speaks to a man like when she would be with dan jenkins or any of the other like uh, the bex and yeah the right. bex brothers i mean she just is so smug and like i just i got you figured out like I just don't care, you know? Yeah. (laughs) She's really good. But she warns him. You know, she says, you are the trailer and I am the tornado. So now she's going to get her F5 category up when she meets Angela Blue Thunder (laughs) next episode. And they're not going to know what hit them. Right. (laughs) We have a lot of hurricanes and they're all named. So I'm thinking Hurricane Beth and Hurricane Angela. Angela. Well, Hurricane Angela and then Hurricane Beth because they come in order, right? Yep, they sure do. (laughs) So So, you don't get tornadoes down by where you are? Never seen one. I don't know, a year ago, whatever. We had a lot of storms, you know, the other day. You know, on Facebook, everyone's saying, oh, a tornado touched down in this neighborhood or whatever. We do have tornadoes. Because I was in Dallas for a conference a very long time ago, and, like, my flight got delayed because there were tornadoes running through, like, Arlington. I was like... I don't remember that, like, growing up. I, don't I need to get out being... of here. There's tornadoes. <laughs> I need to go. Well, But hurricanes, airplane... yes. But hurricanes I do get. Because yeah. we're um, I'm up in New York, and I'm on Long Island, so we get oh, yeah. the... And I'm on the south end of Long Island. When hurricanes come up the east coast, we get them, unfortunately. So, yeah, when they go ashore in the Gulf, it's obviously so much more detrimental because it's just so close to the hot water and whatnot. So I didn't realize that you guys didn't get tornadoes that far south. I'm glad because who wants to deal with that? I'm not a meteorologist, so we probably do, but I don't remember. Yeah, but like, you, you wouldn't get Living them the through way. one or right. seeing one or hearing one. Yeah. There would never be a Twister movie about hopeful I don't think so. <laughs> not in Houston. <laughs> Yeah, we have to. So, so the episode open. You you tell it. You tell it. Oh gosh, I can't. So yeah, we open on teenage Beth crying in the bathroom. I thought she was probably about fifteen or so. I thought I fifteen. Know. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out she's pregnant. I was thinking, obviously, Rip, because we've seen in the past that mm-hmm. they were like their first or whatever. So she goes to Jamie for help, which big brother. So I can see that. How old was he, do you think? No, I'm a little confused by their age ranges. She said that she's 35, right? I kind of don't agree with like, she seems a lot older than that. So Casey would be younger. So Jamie is probably two, three. He was driving. So maybe he's like 17. Like she's 15. But his voice was still really 
high for a boy who was 17. <laughs> well, I mean, he had to look like him, so there's only so much casting can do. Yo, that casting was pretty spot on for young Jamie. I agree. <laughs> right. So she, he drives him to the Indian reservation to the abortion clinic, which, okay, I figured that was kind of the plan. He can't go to the city because people would know him. Because even the woman in the reservation free clinic office knew who they were. Right. So he's like, that's why we can't go to Billings. So what the hell? Why did they require sterilization for an abortion? Like, I did not know that was a thing. Why is it required? That's so messed up. I Googled it. It did happen. Same. Oh, my God. We have done horrible things as a nation. And we just need to say sorry right apologies deepest condolences and sympathies for all of this shit that is so messed up so with the abortion comes sterilization from what i saw a lot of the times it was not with consent and this time it looked like jamie did not tell that to beth, to beth. no so if the clinic is not telling her and jamie's not telling her like what the hell that is so messed up so Back in my younger professional days, I would say my first real paid job, not working in like a store, was in a labor and delivery unit. Like I was a clerk. I would, you know, register the mommies as they came in and whatnot. And more often than not, when a mom would come in for a C-section, there would also be some paperwork for a tubal ligation. Yeah. This is not a procedure in, let's say, if she's 35, 20 years ago, right? So if she's mm -hmm. 15... So if we're talking like 1998, nine, like 2000 would be like her when she was 15. I don't think that was happening in the year 2000. No. There was no way on God's green earth you were doing a tubal ligation on a woman that did not involve her getting cut open. Right. In the 90s. So when they were doing it where I worked, it was usually part of a C-section that was a planned C-section be a repeat c-section and then there would be paperwork for a tubal ligation because that's when they would do it and they would actually separate the fallopian tubes so that yeah. this way there was like no chance of getting pregnant now they use clips which i don't agree with because i think that that could become a non-foolproof kind of a way now it can be done in an office where they have like these little inserts and i, I really went deep on this one mm -hmm. uh in the research and now they have these clips that actually go in they're not clips they're inserts rather and then it's like are you talking about e-sure thing yeah and okay. like it, but it takes three months for the tissue to kind of form a seal around it. None of this was happening in the year no. 2000. It was an invasive procedure. So I don't know how this would have happened without anybody else noticing. Yeah, it doesn't seem possible that that is how she would be sterilized. Yeah. I think the article I read said that that was more happening like in the 70s and 80s. But still, in theory, in principle, so messed up. Like, it's not something you can do without, you're right, like an incision. Unless they had her already sedated for the procedure, for the abortion. And do, they, do they sedate you? No, they do. They give you um, anesthetic okay, yeah, just to calm you down. You're not out, yeah, yeah. but, you know, it's just because it's mostly an office visit. Mm -hmm. The hospital that I work in, they, they do them in the AM surge area just because it's just easier, the ambulatory surgery area, because, you know, you do need to rest up after it. Yeah, that's a medical procedure. So I don't think she'd really be walking up to Rip later that day or whatever. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, mean, I had the test. On. It's negative. It's negative. 
when I take notes and I draw next to when something happens and sometimes I put a heart and sometimes I put a WTF and sometimes I put a exclamation points and I'm like she has to tell him like oh she has to tell him in real life like now you can't tell him that you can't have kids and that he knows that she once got pregnant by him like come on oh my gosh and like, tell him, tell him, tell him. And she doesn't. So she she just leaves it at, I've made two decisions in my life made from fear and it cost her everything. But come on. Tell him. He deserves to know. And he knew that she had something to say. And he said, talk to me anyway. Talk and to me she anyway. didn't do it. And what the hell, Beth? Come on. But like, he deserves to know because yes. that's just not right. It's like a lie. She has something that she knows and she's not telling him. And he's part of it and he has a right to know and okay i'm gonna just throw this out there too it's just like a side note but could rip not have figured that out because if he knew about the pregnancy test and then she said it's negative and then her behavior changed and they're no longer hooking up or whatever Mm -hmm. and then now all of a sudden she hates jamie wouldn't you kind of be able to put those pieces together if you were rip i think he's gonna figure it out either it's gonna come out some way or he's gonna figure it out after a time because he's a smart dude. He's not going yeah, exactly. he's not going to not put two and two together. She hates him so much. She now she told me she can't have children. Somewhere he's going to meet in the middle and be like, "Hey, wait a minute." I think so. Like he's got to be able to figure that out and she's got to tell him. And there's five more episodes and they got to have some filler. It's not going to be all fight. It's not going to yes. be all court battles. <laughs> so, yeah. God, I hope we don't watch five episodes of court. <laughs> there's like, a reason I don't watch that. court TV. We're like, yeah. no. <laughs> I mean, unless Judge Judy is on it. Oh, that's different then. That's different. I love that lady. I love Judge Judy. I'm like totally shocked. The fan theory, we've seen that before, that Jamie's somehow responsible for her not being able to have kids. And I just was like, okay, he made her get an abortion, but that doesn't mean you can't have kids. And then I thought, well, it's not like he punched her in the stomach and injured her internal organs. Like, you know, I was trying to think of the scenario. Never did I come up with forced sterilization. Same. And all of the fan theories that I read, too, I was like, yeah, but this actual reality is so much worse. I know. I kind of, I didn't believe the fan theory and I was like, no. But at least it didn't go to where people were theorizing that he somehow was responsible for her getting pregnant. Like I was right. not down yeah, for the incest. No. Right. I don't no. think John That's would let Jamie live. Show. It's not, yeah, we're, yeah, this is not that kind of show. Like we're not <laughs> marrying cousins, not kissing cousins and stuff like that. No, no, no. But yeah, I just feel really heartbroken for Beth because mm-hmm. now she's in a place where she would most likely want something different and right. she can't deliver it literally well even if you didn't want something different like to not have consent and not know and to not be making that decision like consciously that's where the right like, she had no free is. will over exactly this was done to her as opposed to her having a say in it yeah absolutely i mean that's just it's just not right so at least we're going to head into a happier time right now we're gonna talk about it's time for teeter talk (laughs) (laughs) teeter 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 talk (laughs) oh gosh so mia gets jimmy back to the bunkhouse he's discharged from the hospital i feel like this is way too way too soon right like there's got to be a stint in rehab not yeah not rehab with a big r rehab with a small r you know he's got to do some physical rehabbing he's got a shattered hip his back is broken and he's up on crutches what a couple of days maybe a couple of weeks later yeah no not possible not not Mm -mm. (laughs) but mia brings some trouble with her she got laramie her friend she is mia is trouble she is 
I love the fact that, so, all right, so they start a little party in the bunkhouse and the Wranglers all come back and Teeter's like, it must be Friday somewhere. I can't, I can't talk like her. I'm sorry. But she's, I don't know if I'm getting more acclimated to how she speaks, but she's definitely clearer to me now. I agree. She is easier to understand, but I think she just is speaking a little bit more clearly than that first episode. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I agree. That's my opinion. And then Colby calls her out going, no, it actually is Friday here now. Like right now. <laughs> it's not Friday somewhere. It's Friday. Like right here. <laughs> like today. <laughs> and, you know, Ryan is joking around with Colby that, you know, Teeter's growing on him and, and Colby's looking. He's looking very thirsty over there at Teeter. I mean, there's only so many options. I, right. I and he's, you know, complimenting her dance moves. And, and Ryan is Ryan is just having a good old episode. He's just, he's digging at Colby. I love when he's digging at Mia and Jimmy. Like, like I got to get back into rodeoing. Like, I'm missing yeah, something. I loved that part. And, but, I mean, thank you. He's been calling out what we, we've kind of been, like, dancing around. It's just like, why is she into Jimmy? Like, Jimmy's adorable, but he's a little goofy. He's a little, yeah. you know, it's... it's he's Jimmy. It's... It doesn't always jive when you see, like, a really hot girl with kind of a run-of-the-mill guy. I'll, I'll yeah. leave it at that, you know? And Ryan just kind of calls her out. And Jimmy's like, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know either. And plants a big old kiss on his lips. Yeah. I, I thought it was funny that Rip was getting so mad. <laughs> no, why? Why? Is, it's Friday night. Like, what does he care? Do they work on Saturday? Do they only have Sunday I off? I mean, it, you have to work every day of a ranch. Your, your cattle yeah. need food and horses Watering need and stuff. Right. hay. But it's he's so day. annoyed. Like, he's like... He, you know, storming down the steps of his lodge, running over there. I guess because it was so loud. Like, they showed that yeah, you I get could a hear feeling, it at yeah. his house. You could hear it at the main house. You could hear it. So, probably just the volume, I guess. Yeah. And then, but he sees Beth. And then his whole demeanor changes. I know. He's like, oh, okay, it's fine. It's like, okay. Okay. I'm going to join in, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I like scenes in the bunkhouse. These guys are funny. They're fun to watch. Like, of course, they're cowboys. Like, they're going to be like horsing around after hours causing mischief and that's fun that's what you want to see yeah they do sure. provide the comic relief for yeah for the heaviness of the rest of the plot lines and things like that so what did you think of uh, john and casey like discussing that they can't join in or shouldn't join in that they can't be friends with their employees there is a lot of truth to that i've been in situations where i have been the manager of a number of people and it's hard. It's hard to be social with them mm -hmm. because ultimately you learn things about people, right? And, yes. you know, people do let their guard down and things like that. And you don't ever want to have to blur that line. It's hard. But yeah. I do have to say that one of my closest friends from work is somebody who I used to be his manager. Yeah. And we're like, we're work besties. Like we call each other, like we're, we're, we've been working from home since March 12th. Uh -huh. And we call each other every single day. Yeah. I used to be his manager. Now we're peers in the same department. So that was one situation where I could we, we go hang out after work. We go get drinks. We've gone to football games together. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's more of the exception than yes, for sure. the rule. So I, I've seen the manager, like the boss hanging out with the employee go really wrong. Yeah. Like it was really bad. I left happy hour at like 11 p.m. That's a and long happy got, hour. Yeah. And when I got to work the next day, it was not good. 
there were people who did not come in to avoid what happened last night. Like it was, I was like, I'm oh, so glad I think I left. we need a story. What happened? Oh, I don't know. Well, it involved some sort of shot, like Jaeger bombs or something. I don't know. I left, mind you, on purpose <laughs> at 11. <laughs> you foresaw what was coming. I was like, okay, you know, I think, I think I'm going to go. It was a lot of alcohol and not a lot of food, and it got late, and somehow there's verbal fight. I don't think that there was an actual fight between, like, the boss, the owner of the company. Oh, my. And, like, one of the employees, and it's like, he fired him on the spot, but it was, like, 2 a.m., so, like, does that count because you were drunk? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, so, turns out it didn't count. <laughs> he, like, called him back, and they worked it out, and then it was like, so, happy hours are now limited to an hour <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't go all night long so yeah it doesn't work out nicely especially if there's tension at work or you know you have to guide them and direct them and sometimes alter their behavior so don't think drinking at the bar till 3 a.m and doing that in the morning is really gonna work out right so casey decides to sit it out he's gonna listen to that bit of advice so far yeah. from john and he decides to sit down and it, oh, he just looks so lonely. I know. You know, and I know, kind of jotted down, I'm like, it, it does get lonely at the top. You've heard that before. Heard that before. And it's true. Mm -hmm. Like, John's got some wisdom behind him. He's got some experience behind him. And I know as a, as a younger adult, I did not appreciate the guidance or the advice from my mom. Whereas mm -hmm. as I got a little older, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> but it took, unfortunately but it took some experience of my own you know in order to appreciate that knowledge so Casey I think is being a little more circumspect he's seeking out John's counsel a little bit more and in a little bit more poignant situations like he's really figuring when he needs the guidance of his father so you know with the earlier plot point of the selling of the horses to help out the rancher's family you know, he knew that he was sidestepping a rule and John congratulated him on, you know, deciding to break a rule that shouldn't have been anyway. Doing the right thing. Yeah. Because it's the right thing. So I don't think season one Casey would have been as welcoming to this kind yeah. of counsel, I guess. But where did that really change? I don't know. I just felt like we... It felt gradual now, but it, it definitely has been very quick. I agree. It didn't stand out. Let's put it that way. It wasn't like all of a sudden Casey decided to say, hey, dad, I need your counsel. It's been subtle. Because you're right. I mean, before, like, he was fighting John just Left as much right. as everybody else yeah. was, too. So he definitely wasn't so accepting of John's uh, advice in the past. But I think if he sees himself as running the ranch and carrying on this legacy for his family, if, he's, if this is the path he's going to choose, because I think he wasn't decided that's what he wanted for a while. And now that he's like, okay, I think we're going to do this, like, he knows his dad obviously knows what he's doing. Right. I have so. a question for you. Okay. When Casey goes to deliver the 16000 from the sale of the horses that he gets mm -hmm. for the Nelson family, and he's talking to the Nelson boy, the younger boy, and he says, I'm going to be a rancher like my dad. Are you or a cowboy like my dad? Are you a cowboy? And Casey said, yeah. He goes, I'm going to be the same when I grow up. I'm going to be a cowboy. The look on Casey's face, I was trying to read it. It did not look happy. No. I don't know if this is like the future for him. It's like it's not what he really wants, but it's what he sees could be best, you know, or or it is a way to provide for his family or it is a way to keep his family's legacy going. Like, I don't feel like it's necessarily what he would be doing. But he is good at it. 
He is, yeah. He's proven that he's gotten really good at the more operational side of things. And he was so reluctant last season to take on any kind of responsibility role. But he's proven that he's good at it. Well, and it's a hard life. So I think he's looking at that little boy like, um, like I don't think I would wish this life on my kid, you know? Although I think if he hears a $600 million price tag, he might. Yeah. <laughs> he might like he it. He might like that a little bit and be like, I don't have to worry about my son for yeah. the rest of his life. That'll be good. So I have another random question about that scene then. I don't know anything about horses. Like, not one thing. (laughs) And you're asking me? Uh, I don't know. No, I'm just putting this out there into the world. But they had over 300 horses. I kind of thought there'd be more than $16,000 for 300. Like, they don't really sound like a lot of money. But I have no idea. I mean. I have no frame of reference even. I'll take $16,000 if you're offering but like to me i thought well 300 horses that's it like i feel I like no idea. like 300 horses and babies Maybe and whatever I... else it's gonna be a lot of money a month to feed that's true and the effort that that only works to me what like 53 dollars though no that's only 53 dollars a horse okay my math wasn't yeah. wrong then hold on i just sixteen thousand. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> sorry <laughs> we're doing this on the fly here I just was, like, surprised by that number, I thought. But I didn't do the math. But $53 a horse. Come on. I can buy a horse for $53. I was going to say, do you mean to say, like, for under 200 bucks, I can get my whole family a horse? (laughs) But he did say, like, they did say when they sold them, like, all at once in one package. right? Package. So, man, wholesale horses. I had no idea. Apparently, that's a thing. So, fun fact, um, (laughs) Taylor Sheridan reached out and got so the the people who were running the horse sale are uh-huh. Justin and Cody Hyde who play Justin and Cody Hyde in the show. They are honest to god sports club ranchers out in Wyoming, out in Teton mm-hmm. Springs. So it's a four season resort that they run. So they have like the Dan Jenkins dream. <laughs> <laughs> they own the Bronze Buffalo Sporting Club at Teton nice. Springs. If you'd like to sponsor our podcast, please file me. Right? Maybe they bought the 300 horses. Maybe. Maybe. So. In real life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyways, I just, these numbers, like, I don't know. Sometimes those things stick out in my head. I'm like, really? $16,000? So, we, we literally have, like, the spectrum of numbers here. We're like, yeah. $53 a horse, $600 million for that ranch? Yeah. <laughs> like, kind like of you're lowballing it on one side. We're like, seriously? Why wouldn't All you right. take that kind of money? just interesting things that stick out in my head sometimes but this is going to be interesting because now there's only five episodes left i can't believe we're halfway through the season like this is flying by and i feel like not a lot has happened Mm -hmm. so i feel like the back end of this is going to be jam-packed explosive yeah yes explosive i think that's a very good word because yeah that that's that's on the resume for the Duttons. <laughs> <laughs> so you said too that we both mentioned that we weren't necessarily watching it live when it airs on Sundays because we watched the screener early mm-hmm. on the. But I watched mine on a laptop, and I did watch the episode live on Sunday, and it was so much better. I was like, it, oh, it didn't on change at stuff, all, right. but it was just way better watching it on TV with the you know speaker system and the the oh, better man. yeah resolution and things like that. <sighs> well, this is definitely a show that has an eye for the cinematography of the mm-hmm. landscape. So like there are these like wide sweeping shots that yeah, us watching on a laptop or an iPad is just like ho hum. But yeah. to see it on my 55-inch TV, I'm like, yeah, this is where yeah. this is where I should be watching it. 
Exactly. So I definitely enjoyed watching it on the big screen. It was much better. Oh, great. So I am excited for next week. Let's see some Angela and Beth drama. Oh, it's going to be some blue thunder and some white thunder. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be some red thunder. (laughs) What other kind of white lightning? Yeah, white lightning. I think that's what I was going for. Yes, white lightning and blue thunder. White lightning and blue thunder. There we go. We've coined it. (laughs) Yeah. So, I'm excited. Let's keep going. I want some more drama. Yes, I definitely need some more action. So, all right. Well, this has been the Yellowstone Podcast for Pod Clubhouse. This is Sheila. This is Steph. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.